I grew up in a culture where emotions were repressed. And so the people in the small community, it's not that they didn't care. They cared a lot, but they didn't understand how to deal with grief. They didn't know that the best thing that could happen for me is if someone encouraged me to talk about what happened. Instead, they thought if they would bring it up, it, of course, would trigger pain. Yes, it would. But that I needed to talk to somebody. People were friendly. They were kind. They were, you know, but nobody would talk about what happened. And so instead, I didn't have anybody to talk to. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so thrilled to be back behind the microphone. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Linda Olson. Linda is the founder of Wealth Through Stories. And Linda, I know that you have just tremendous stories of your own that have brought you to where you are today. But I would love if before you jump into your stories, if you would give a brief introduction to the listeners and just let them know who you are. Oh, thank you. Well, let me just say, first of all, I am thrilled for this opportunity to share with you. Uh, My background is actually I'm a speaker trainer and a story coach. And before I tell you my story, I will just say that my story was a long journey. And after I, I finally owned my story, I began to realize the value of story. And it was then that I knew I knew it was my new calling to help others with their story. So that's just a little background about me. And uh, again, I'm thrilled to be sharing with you. Linda, I love how you say you owned your story, because I think there's so many of us, me included, who haven't owned their stories. And they're scared to tell them because they're afraid of being judged or seen differently when I've learned from my own personal experience that sharing my story has connected me more with the people who actually needed to hear them. You know, absolutely, you're right on. And that's the biggest thing about stories. Once we own our story, there's there's like a just a place of vulnerability that we need to go to to be able to own our story. And that is very scary. It is frightening. It took me a long, long time to get there. But once you're there and can recognize the vulnerability is really a strength, not a weakness. And it is the number one way to connect with people and actually use your story to transform lives. Once someone has has gotten that piece, extremely powerful, very powerful. Absolutely. Listeners, if this is your first episode listening, I just want to share, I'm a mom of five, um, haven't always been quite, you know, obviously, but the biggest story that I was ashamed to share for the longest time was that I wound up in the mental hospital in 2008 and it was caused by a lack of self-care. I wasn't doing drugs or anything, but I just was sleep deprived and not taking care of my thyroid, which has been an issue since birth. So I started hallucinating and I became suicidal. 
And I was ashamed to share that I had been in the mental hospital because I thought that that would be interpreted by people as meaning that, you know, I'm crazy or any number of other labels, for lack of a better word. But it was quite the obvious. And I was surprised to hear feedback when I started sharing of, oh, I've been there too, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it was in a mental hospital or, you know, had given up on self-care or was suicidal or depressed or anxiety ridden or any of the other things that I've since shared on the podcast. And it's just opened up all types of doorways. Mm. Linda, I would love if you would share a little bit of your story. And I, I know a little bit of it and it, and I know that it took time and I understand why, but would you mind sharing a little bit with the listeners? Not at all. But before I do, Kim, I just want to say and acknowledge you for sharing this piece of your story, because those are very frightening places to go to. You don't know how people will react or respond or shut you out. But like you said, you discovered that it opened up all kinds of doors because people relate to the anxiety, they relate to the depression, they relate to the fear, they relate to, you know, all of those, those many negative emotions. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, you're so welcome, Linda. I just had to share it, how you said it opens up doors. The craziest thing is that my now ex-husband actually contacted a divorce attorney while I was in the mental hospital. And I realized yeah. now that that in itself was opening up a door because mm. it was allowing me the opportunity to move forward with my own life and find a place of happiness. This podcast would have never happened if that hadn't happened. You know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And think about how many people you have reached and are reaching every week. That's very powerful. Yes. So thanks for sharing that. So in regards to my story, it was a long time ago. Uh, I was 14 years of age and through a tractor accident on the farm, I grew up in a little house on the Canadian prairies. And it was through a tractor accident on the farm that my precious little two-year-old brother was killed. I was the one driving the tractor. Mm. Wow. You can, I'm sure you can only imagine it's like, you know, life on the farm, you know, was simple and good up until that point. And, you know, I was just kind of going along like everybody else. And all of a sudden, when these traumatic moments happen, your, your whole life comes to a halt. And it was like, how do you keep from being stuck in your story when your whole life has just come crashing in? You know, in many respects, Kim, that in a sense is what you experienced in 2008. I mean, it's like your whole life comes caving in and and you think, how will I ever be able to move on from here? And as you know, it's one step at a time. I mean, I so clearly remember the very next morning, my big, strong dad came to the bedroom door and he said, you've got to get up. You've he said, we we have to keep going. I was just lying in bed and crying and getting out of bed that day was the toughest thing I did all day, just getting out of bed. And that followed day after day, week after week, month after month. And years, years it took me to recover and to be able to just move on in life. I mean, we were in a very small community, a community of like 500 people. 
And so, as you know, in these small communities, word spreads very quickly. And it was my first month of high school. And I already was going from a little country school of 30 students in eight grades to a high school of about 250 students. And I think there were 75 in the ninth grade. And I didn't know how I would ever go back to high school. I mean, I was horrified at the thought of if somebody would just ask me why I missed a week of school. I had no idea what I was going to say. And so one by one, step by step, it was just facing the fears that were staring me in the face, moving forward. But it still took years before emotionally I could get to a place to be able to begin sharing my story And then it was 15 years later um, that I I actually moved down to California to to for my graduate studies and was in therapy for two years. And that was the big breakthrough, the biggest breakthrough for me. I didn't recognize until that place because I buried it so deep that I needed to forgive myself. And that was such a huge load that was lifted when I was finally able to do that. That's huge, forgiving yourself. And it has taken me so long. And I would have to say that just in the past year, I've finally forgiven myself for mistakes I made, even right after I got out of the mental hospital. Linda, are you like me that like things to be perfect? (laughs) Yes, in many respects, I do. Well, I I lived in that perfectionist ideal for a long time, and I would get so frustrated. And I think that's why I actually put myself in the into the sleep deprivation, and I put a lot of extra weight on myself because things weren't perfect, and I and I sacrificed sleep, and I had to forgive myself for that and give myself grace because life isn't perfect. I hate to say it, but tractor accidents do happen, car accidents, you know, even. Even not so serious things happen, but I love how your dad told you to get out of out of bed. I was curious, but I didn't want to ask how your parents were, but it's so true. You know, we just, it can be so hard, but we need to keep on going or else we can stay in bed forever. Yes, because so often we think, you know, the bed is, is a place of safety. Mm-hmm. And in some respects, like in my case, and maybe in yours as well, that that actually could be the worst place for us at that time. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's, it becomes then a place of hiding. And the worst thing you can do is hide for me. And I will tell you, honestly, I grew up in a culture where emotions were repressed. And so the people in the small community, it's not that they didn't care. They cared a lot, but they didn't understand how to deal with grief. They didn't know that the best thing that could happen for me is if someone encouraged me to talk about what happened. Instead, they thought if they would bring it up, it, of course, would trigger pain. Yes, it would. But that I needed to talk to somebody. People were friendly. They were kind. They were, you know, but nobody would talk about what happened. And so instead, I didn't have anybody to talk to. And it wasn't until years later that I was finally able to to open up and just share a little bit about the accident. And then slowly, 
you know, things would come out here and there, piece by piece, until, like I said, years later, when I finally went to therapy, and then that changed a lot. But it still wasn't even then when I forgave myself. It was still many years after that where I came to complete healing. And I remember thinking so clearly at any time something was triggered that would bring this up, I thought, is this ever going to end? Is there ever going to be a time in my life where I would have complete healing with this? And I will tell you, I actually had an experience that brought me to complete closure uh, with this. I want to know more. Okay, I will tell you more. It was it was actually a very unusual experience. I've never had anything like it. And my husband and I would go for just a daily walk around the neighborhood, about a two-mile walk. And there was a slight incline on one of those streets. And I would be stopping three times to catch my breath. And I thought, what is wrong with me? So the next time I went to visit my chiropractor, and he had been a mentor of mine, he became a mentor of mine over many years. And he checked me and checked me and he said, you know, there isn't anything wrong with you, except you are still dealing with a broken heart over your little brother. And in my frustration, I said, when is this ever going to be over? And then he said something I will never forget. He asked me if I read the little book, there's a little book, or you may have seen the movie, Heaven is for Real. And I said, no, I hadn't. And he said, I'd like you to pick it up. It's easy reading. Pick it up, read it this weekend, and come back and see me next week. So I did. And he was right. It was, uh, it was very healing for me. And then he said, when you have a conversation with your little brother, you will be completely healed. And I thought, well, this is kind of strange. You know, what do I do? And I remember walking out of his office and I thought, well, what do I do now? Do I just start talking? What, you know, what do I do? And that, I think it was the next day or so, my husband and I were, we had a little getaway down, down at the beach. And so as we went there and I thought so much has been happening in my life, I don't want to forget any of this. So I was journaling on my computer and as I was journaling and just like I shared with you, the tears just start rolling and all I can describe it as it was like a vision, but it was so real for me. And I was hugging my little brother and I said, Billy, I miss you so much. And he said, I know, Nina, I miss you too. And I asked Jesus why we couldn't be together. And Jesus said, my work on earth is done, but I, he still has more for you to do. So just do everything you need to do, and then we'll be together forever and ever. And of course, it took me a while to catch my breath with that. And then he said, there's one more thing. And I said, okay. And he said, I don't want you to be sad anymore. He said, I am so happy here. There's so many kids to play with. I, I couldn't be happier. He says, I couldn't be happier. So please don't be sad anymore. So I promised him I wouldn't be sad. And then with that, I closed my computer, glanced at the clock. It was two minutes after midnight. 
that new day was the 45th anniversary of the accident. I just got goosebumps. The very next morning, after a good night's rest, the next morning, my husband and I were taking a little drive. It was right along the ocean. So pretty. We took a little drive and we got to the first stop sign. And there was right in front of us, there was a red half ton truck. And on his back window, he had a sticker. And the sticker was a cross and a little boy kneeling at the cross. And the name was Billy. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm not even kidding, Linda. I'm covered with goosebumps right now. Wow. And all I could think about was that was God's confirmation mm-hmm. that he was taking care of that little boy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. And I will tell you, of course, it's not like I don't ever tear up or, um, you know, still, still, you know, things will still trigger that kind of thing. But I know that I, I have been healed and I, there's no longer some of the sobbing that there was for many years before that. Or it would be like a month or two before the accident, anniversary of the accident every year. I would just have these ugly, ugly feelings inside, inside of me that I just couldn't get rid of until the day of the accident. And then after that, all of a sudden they would be relieved. But all of that was gone. All of that is gone. And I know that it was only then after that. And it's like I heard this little voice inside and said, now it's time to write your book. And I thought, write my book. I I honestly had never once crossed my mind to write a book. In fact, I remember thinking, well, I don't know if I have enough information to write about. <laughs> You'd think in 45 years, you know, I'd gather enough information. <laughs> but anyway, it was a four-year journey uh, working with my editor. And, of course, there was more healing that happened even then. But it was then that I had finally owned my story. And when I did and recognized I thought, if story is so important, why aren't we telling our stories every day? And I did some research with that. And I discovered the number one reason is because most people don't think they have a story. And secondly, if they could come up with something, they don't think that anybody would want to hear it. And thirdly, if they could come up with something, they have no idea how to tell it. And it was then that I knew that was my new calling, that I, I needed to help people be able to find, create, and tell their story and know how to do it in, in as little as two minutes or less. I had worked with a high-end coach for a couple of years, and when she got me to, brought me to that place to be able to share truly my 45-year journey in two minutes or less, I knew I'd found the power of story. And I ne- I've never told it the same since. Wow. And what were you doing up until that point? Like before you entered this field, what field were you in? You said you went down to California to get for your graduate studies. But what field were you studying? Oh, my background is a marriage and family therapist. Okay. 
Yes, I had gotten my degree and my license, and I practiced for uh, for 15 years. And I had also done other things. I was actually a college dean, dean of women at a college. And then later on, I was a director of women at, at a large church and entrepreneur at a whole women's program there for many years. My husband is actually in the same field as marriage and family therapy, and he's still in the field. I stepped out and decided I wanted to pursue speaking and becoming a story coach and helping people with their stories. Yes. So beautiful. I want to touch back on your chiropractor visit. Would you mind sharing the name of the book again? And for listeners, the book will be listed in the show notes under the resources section at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP560. But what was the name of the book that your chiropractor recommended? Oh, Heaven is for Real. Amazing. So I I want to share my chiropractor changed my life as well. I had met him through a referral group. My shoulders were always really tense and I'd never been to a chiropractor before. But because of the networking group, he said, come on in, you get a free appointment. So I went in and during that first appointment, we were just chatting about movies. And I mentioned that my favorite movie is What Dreams May Come. Have you seen that one? I'm not sure I have. It's so beautiful. It's just so artistic. Dreams may come. What dreams may come. Yes. Okay. And he took that and he asked me, have you heard of the law of attraction? And at that point, I was very unhappy. And I went home and I looked it up and it changed my life that day. Because I didn't realize up until that point that I had the power and the right to determine my own happiness. Mm. So, and listeners who have been subscribed for a while, you've heard this story. But for those who are new... My ex-husband, he's now since ex and I'm remarried, but he came home and I can burn dinner every single night of the week. Cooking just isn't my thing. But he started in about dinner and I just looked at him and smiled. He said, what are you smiling about? I said, you no longer have the power to determine my happiness. And I can't even tell you, Linda, how how unhappy, (laughs) how unhappy that made him. So that was that was another door opening, but that's, I a, that's this. a huge door. I just want to comment on that a little bit. That is a huge door because what you did was step into your power and in your authority. And there's such freedom that comes with that. And most of the time we don't realize it's so easy to get trapped in this victim state. And believe me, I was there for a very long time. And I still, you know, we're all vulnerable to those places. But when we step out in our courage and in our power, like I said, there's amazing freedom that opens up with that. Oh, there absolutely is. And I I love how you brought up that you were also working in the church. I, I was raised Catholic. But as soon as I graduated high school, I left the church and I would consider myself an agnostic for, I had been an agnostic for 12 years before I left my ex. And then the weekend after he left, I was told not by somebody, but I would have to say by God to go to church. And my life has not been the same since that, Mm. since that moment. But it's amazing how one thing, they all stack on each other, the law of attraction and then returning to church. And right now I'm reading Eckhart Tolle, who has been on my shelf for a decade now, but I'm, I think, and I'd love to know your opinion on this. 
all things at whatever time they happen for a reason, like our conversation here today. If I had read Eckhart Tolle when I got the books, it, they wouldn't have mean mm. meant, pardon the grammar, um, they wouldn't have meant anything at that point to me. But I'm in that place now mentally that I can put together my spiritual practices, both emotionally and religiously, and combine them all together. Because I'm now since, like, listeners, you know, in 2019, which is when we're recording this, I haven't been recording regularly, but I surrendered everything to God January 1st, and my life has never been better. Mm. So reading Eckhart Tolle now, I, I can see how all the pieces fit together. And just like what you were saying, we can stay in that negative spot. But even I read Stillness Speaks last week, and now I'm reading The Power of Now, and I'm realizing when I get into those negative thought patterns, it looks like a highway to me, and I can step off the highway or get into the, the slow lane and look at those rush of negative thoughts that are going by in the express lane and just be like, huh, do I really want that? Or can I can I change it? And I love I love what you said and where you're going with this, because you're absolutely right. So often, you know, when we're stuck or worse yet in denial, it's like we don't even recognize that we have a choice. But we do have a choice. And it's only when we first identify whatever that is, you know, whether it's a negative emotion that has surfaced, the anxiety, the anger, the fear, whatever that is, we have to first identify it. And then when we identify it, then it's a matter of making a choice. I tell a little story about where we live which is actually the high desert. And just over the hill are some beautiful, beautiful ranches. And there's cattle ranches, horse ranches, and even a buffalo ranch. Well, growing up in the farm, I learned very quickly that cows are not known for their speed. They're very slow runners. So when a storm comes, when a storm comes, say it's coming from the east and headed west, Cows will run, even as slow as they are, they will head the direction the storm is headed. So they will head west and therefore prolong the storm. Buffalo, on the other hand, when a storm is coming from the east, they will turn face the storm and head right into it and therefore get through it much more quickly. And it's like every time an emotional storm rises, we have that choice. Do we want to avoid it, run from it, try and find a way to escape it and prolong it? Or as tough as it is, are we willing to face it and get through it much more quickly? And of course, even even if we decide to face it, doesn't mean it happens we still have to take action. And that's the big thing. It's not going to happen until we take action. But when we do, like we talked about a little bit ago, there's so much freedom that happens with all of that. Because that power lies within us to change our circumstances, to change where we're at, to rise above our negative emotions. We can choose that every day. It's part of you know, the same thing my dad said to me, 
we have to get out of bed. And that's part of changing it. And I realized, looking back, after I found complete healing in my story, I looked back and I thought about those words of my dad. And I felt like when he said those words, it was almost like he had handed me this torch of courage and strength, courage to get out of bed and strength to face whatever lay ahead. And uh, that is a torch I would love to pass on to each one of your listeners to know that we hold the torch, we hold the power to be able to step out in courage and have strength to face whatever is in front of us. Oh, my heavens. Going back to what I said about our conversation happening when it's supposed to, I haven't even announced this yet on the Positive Productivity Podcast, but... In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be launching a second podcast with my friend Ed Squire called the Purposepreneur Podcast. And I would love to hear your opinion on this, but he, Ed was the victim of sexual abuse as a child. And in sharing his story, he's faced backlash, but he's also healed many others, you know, and allowed them to come out in their stories. So in this point that we're in right now in society, there's a lot of people coming out with very troubling stories like this. And I mean, the Me Too movement, I, I think it's stronger every day. What do you think about that? You know, what? absolutely agree. And it doesn't matter what our story is. We will we will get backlash. And sometimes it's at the most unexpected moment. And I'll tell you what, sometimes we get it because we may trigger someone else's pain and they aren't ready to deal with it. And so instead of just being quiet or admitting it, they instead, you know, throw blame. And it's like, if you hadn't said that, I wouldn't be in this pain. No, you are not responsible for their pain. They are responsible for their own pain. And I just had a lady this weekend, I have a story retreat every year, and we just had it this weekend. And I had a lady come up to me who has a very powerful story. And she was really afraid to share her story for fear that if it got into the public eye, it would be exploited and so forth. And I said, you know what? You have to do what's right for you. And uh, just know that you can step in your power. Some people may not like it. It may trigger pain. But what you don't want to do is stay stuck in your fear and not share it because of fear. You don't want fear to be your motivation with what you're doing. Instead, you really want to have the power and strength and know that even if you get some backlash, there may be one backlash, but I'll tell you what, there may be a hundred or more people that are freed, freed up because of your story. And the sad part is you may not always hear from those 101 people. You hear from the one person that stands up strong. But if you can look at it and say, wait a minute, I know I did what I was supposed to do. I did it with the right motive. I did it so that others could find freedom that maybe they're not experiencing now. And although everybody may not like it, what I shared, 
I knew I had to stand in my strength and in my power and in my authority. And so that's really, really the feedback that I gave this lady that I just spoke to on Saturday. You know, uh, I said, we don't want to come from a place of fear. But at the other hand, of course, we want to be at a place with enough healing in our story so that we can come from a place of strength. Because if there isn't enough healing, then then we just know we need to receive more healing. I know my chiropractor had um, shared with me many times, you know, it's kind of like peeling an onion. And every layer has some tears. But eventually you will get to that core, the core of the onion. But to know it's okay. Every layer is is part of the healing process. Linda, do you think you can actually get to the core of the onion? I believe, and maybe it was unusual, but what I'd shared with my story to come to that place, a complete closure, it did actually happen for me. I don't know if that is unusual for it to come to that place, but I do believe you can. Maybe I should rephrase because I I feel like as I'm taking off the layers of one onion, another onion is being created. So it's another journey. Okay. And while the first story I shared will uncover one journey, another story is being built, right? Yes. I can see how one onion, you can reach the core. But I, I feel like we all have many onions over the course of a lifetime. Well, and you're absolutely right, because we find healing at one place. And then all of a sudden, something else surfaces. And, and you're right which could you could use the analogy of the onion, then it's time to peel this layer as part of one of my programs. And I just did this again last week with someone I'm working with. And that is really taking a look at her life's journey and looking at many of these uh, significant stories or what I call turning points in our life. And to walk, when we walk through that journey and see the big picture, but at the same time, it wasn't just a matter of looking at her pain, it was really bringing out, I said, what character traits or strengths have you gained with these circumstances right here? And so when we put those together and look at, wow, I never looked at it from that perspective. All I looked at is the pain that this created in my life. Well, when we've come to enough healing, we will begin to see the positive stuff. And to know that because this happened, I am a stronger person because of that. Or I am more patient. Or because of the accident with my little brother, I know that I became a very compassionate person. And so there's different, you know, different character traits that happen with those hard times in our life. As long as we're willing to address those difficult circumstances and be willing to move on and to say, you know, I believe there's good that can come out of each situation And the hardest thing to measure is our own emotional growth. And other people will probably see those character traits being developed in you before you will see them. And so 
listen to what others are saying Mm -hmm. because they will say them. They will bring them out. I shared with a lady just the other day. She said, people, people just come and unload their just unload their story onto me. I mean, anybody will just come up and do that. And I said, do you understand why they do that? And she said, no. And I said, because you have such a gentle, calming spirit about you, and people feel very safe with you. You aren't threatening at all. She's quiet. She has an inner strength. She's very quiet. And she just wrote an, uh, a number one international bestseller on healing the soul wounds. It's a book of poetry. And she brings healing through poetry. And it's just absolutely beautiful because this is truly her gift. But she said, just a minute, when I told her what I said in terms of her strengths, and she's, I've never heard that before. She's, just a minute, I got to write that down. I said, yes, write it down because you don't want to forget it. Absolutely. I love that. Until we're ready, often those compliments and positive words just roll off until we're ready. Mm-hmm. I just finished reading a Spirit Driven Success by Danny Johnson. And one of the things that she talks about in the book is how we're constantly being refined. I mean, like, like a piece yeah. of gold after it's mined, you know, mm-hmm. it's ref- or, or metal ore. It's constantly being refined. And I put up a joke post on, well, not a joke, like haha, but I said on Facebook, I said, you know, by the end of my lifetime, I feel like I'm going to be 24 karat gold with all the refinement that's been <laughs> happening around here. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. What type of work do you deal with your clients? I'd love to hear more. And I'm sure that the listeners would as well. Oh, well, there's a couple different things. To me, it, it was, uh, let me take you back a little bit. It was, uh, I guess it was almost four years ago when I did, just before I did my first story retreat. And just prior to that, I heard this little voice in my head. And the voice said, and now I'm going to give you your new mission. And I was a little nervous because I had no idea what was coming. Well, the mission is to impact a million people a year through story. And I thought, a million people? I mean, I had no idea how this could happen. But the best I could, I thought, I will embrace this and see what happens. Well, I believe there are two major pathways to share a story. One is through telling our story, and one is through writing our story. So I was working with a group of ladies in telling their story. And then I did some market research and I wanted to take them to a new level of telling their story. And they came back to me and they said, we want you to help us write our book, write our story. And I said, really? Because I had no intention whatsoever at that point to teach a writing class. And I thought, well, I had written several books and Finally, I decided if they were really sincere, because I said, this is a big commitment, but they they seemed really sincere. So I decided to do it. Well, after I was cleaning up my workshop materials from the first class, this was happened to be a local class where I like to test market much of my material. And then again, I heard this little voice and it said, what about your next book? And I thought, my next book, I have no intention of writing another book, at least not at this time. And besides, what would I even write about? And I heard this little voice again in my head, 
And it said, what about taking the last two years of workshop materials and just put it into a book? Because my third book, His Ways Are Higher, is my memoir. It is my story and all the many things that I learned through this lengthy process, lengthy journey. But more than anything now, I wanted to help other people with their story. So I decided to go ahead and do it. And honestly, the rough draft of just pulling together those workshop materials had happened in two weeks. And then I worked with an editor for four months. And nine months later, Your Story Matters, Three Breakthrough Secrets to Stories That Transform was birthed, which is just a year ago, year ago, March. And it became an Amazon bestseller in seven countries in the first five days. Wow. So I stepped back and I just thought, why would that many people respond? And, you know, and I realized people are hungry. They're hungry to know that our story is our life, that it does matter. And then I realized as I stepped back that in the five weeks prior to that, I'd had one television interview two radio interviews and the book launch and with some quick addition realized it had reached, it had a reach of 10 million people. And I thought, okay, that's one pathway. That is how I know I can help (laughs) people, you know, and now I just have to refine that. Uh And so that was writing your story. Then I thought the other big pathway is telling your story. So I thought, okay, what's kind of the biggest stage you can get on? And it didn't take me long to think about because I knew it was the TEDx stage. Right. And so I thought, okay, for 2019, that's my goal, to get on a TEDx stage. And I did find a group of people, a team, who specialize in helping people get on the TEDx stage. And because I'd had a lot of training in story and putting talks together and so forth. So my strength came there, but I knew it took a lot of research and a lot of time and energy to get on a stage. So I got help in doing that. And they told me, they clearly told me this is just kind of plan on this being a six month journey. So I said, okay, I'm good. Good with that. Well, they sent out my application in the middle of December, and much to my surprise, I got accepted the middle of January. And three weeks later, on February 9th, I was on that TEDx stage in Gainesville, Florida. Wow. So it all happened very quickly. It isn't on YouTube yet. It could be on in, uh, I'm hoping, kind of in the next week or two. They usually say it's six to eight weeks and sometimes a little bit longer. But this team that I worked with, the fellow heading it up, he said, and he's only done this for four years, but he said his top client was a young man who told his powerful story and he had 4 million views on YouTube. Wow. I mean, that is a huge stage. And so with obviously the internet, just like what you're doing with podcast, sometimes it's sharing it, the story in smaller pieces. So I help people to find, create and tell their story. And I also help those that want to write their story. And so I do different things. I am coaching for people who want help with their story, the TEDx stage. 
I coach people and just putting together their transformational story. Or my big program is a signature story so that whatever level, whatever venue you have, whether you're telling your story in two minutes, whether you're doing it in five, ten minutes, half an hour, hour and a half, maybe half a day, or to also do profitable workshops. So depending on where people are at, walk them through. And then the same thing with the writing, depending on where they're at with that writing process. But I actually do a five-day writing retreat, take them out of their environment so they can focus and concentrate. Because I find the biggest thing with writing is being able to take the time, have the accountability, and just get it done. So those are those are two big pathways that I help people with their story. Wow. Linda, you're talking to somebody who has had her book in her head for four years now. So I totally get it. Well, four, my four previous, years and three more kids later. Yeah. Yeah. My previous book took four years to write. Yeah. And I, I know that. I know that how that is. Where can listeners find you online so they can get in touch about working with you or joining one of your future workshops or courses? Well, probably the best way to start is to get on my website, which is wealththroughstories.com. And through is all spelled out, T-H-R-O-U-G-H, wealththroughstories.com. And on the bottom of that first page, if they want a free consultation, They can scroll down there, fill out a little form and sign up for a free consultation. I'd be happy to talk with them and just share, find out where they're at and what they would like help or direction with. The other option, I wanted to offer a free gift today, and that is I have a a five-day challenge called Live a Great Story. And it's really learning every day we have stories that unfold in our life. It's really learning to capture those stories comes from a foundation of generosity, building just that attitude of gratitude. And if they're interested in this, this is usually I offered for $197, but I would like to do it as a gift to your listeners. And if they're interested in that, just go to wealththroughstories.com forward slash live. And then they can sign up for for that. Thank you so much, Linda. That is so generous of you. And listeners, you can find all the links again in case you're driving, working out, trying not to cook dinner at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP560. I think I said trying not to cook dinner. I meant trying not to burn dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thekimsutton.com forward slash PP560. And Linda will put links to all your books in there as well so that If listeners want to read your books, they can also get them there. But I want to thank you for your time today. You've been so generous and for your stories, even just the ones that you've shared on the podcast. I personally want to go sign up for your challenge because it sounds amazing. So thank you again. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Well, let me just say before I give that golden nugget, you're very welcome. It it is a joy for me to share And my golden nugget that I want to leave with you is I want you to know about anything else. If there's nothing else you get out of this broadcast, I want you to know that your story matters. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've walked through. 
or haven't walked through. Whether you know that or not, your story does matter, and there are people waiting and needing to hear your story. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.